How do you grow a family-owned business without hating the people you love? They say blood is thicker than water, but business has a way of making waves. What's the answer? My next guest, family business expert Jenna Hoiberg, has some answers. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Jana Hoiberg believes completely in the power of the family-owned business and its role in ensuring healthy family relationships for multiple generations. She's a renowned international speaker and gifted teacher. She's personally led thousands of business owners to success and inspired thousands more during the course of her 35-year business career. And more specifically, Jana has achieved these transformations by sharing her proven strategies to elevate communication, sales, leadership, management, and team building skills. As the author of several books and numerous business articles, Jana has gained recognition as a thought leader on the subject of family-owned businesses. Her book, The Family Business, How to Be in Business with People You Love Without Hating Them, Actually, it made me smile. It's something I can definitely relate to, and it's been critically acclaimed, not just by me, but by others, and I can't wait to hear more about it. She says it's a collection of things she's learned over the years about running businesses and speaking to teams who just happen to be related to each other. Jana's credentials include impressive numerous awards and honors at state, local, and national levels, and so it's a real treat to have her here with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Jana. Well, thank you for having me. This will be fun. It is fun. You know, this is such a huge topic since so many businesses are family-owned. They're closely held. How do you build a business without hating each other? It seems that there are times, especially during the startup phase, when a business demands so much from its owners that the best interests of a business could be in sort of direct conflict with the best interests of the family. How do you counsel people? The startup phase, in some respects, is the easiest. It's just like um, newly married. You know, they, they, they're on their honeymoon, and they disagree, but, you know, it's just the excitement of the new business and everything is there. That part is the easier part. It's once you settle into the routine that it becomes hard. When you start off, everybody's doing a little bit of everything. When you start getting into the routine is when you find out that it was fun for a little while, but this thing that I'm now doing isn't quite as much fun. And I could sell, but now I really don't like sales. Or I could do the detail, but I can't do the detail to the extent that's required for this business. And that's when the rubber meets the road as to how well you did in the laying the foundation for the business and going from there. So it's sometimes it's that familiarity breeds contempt with which we have in all of our lives, and it's just magnified in the family business. That's fascinating. So let's talk about the foundation. What are the key building blocks for a good, successful family-owned business? Well, there, there's two different sides to it. One is the family business is starting up. So you've got, let's just say, because it's across the board, let, let's just say husband and wife have decided to start a family business. And if they sit back 
and really say, okay, what do you like about business? What do you like to do? What is your passion? And they start laying out those roles and responsibilities that for any of us who have ever worked in a corporate job, we know that we have to have. If they lay that out and then review it on a regular basis, a lot of those challenges move through. The difference, though, is they, they don't tend to do it. They go and do a little bit of everything, and they don't step back and have, have a review. Now, let's fast forward, and they've managed to survive 25 years in working together. It's a whole different ballgame when they try to bring the next generation. So there's different dynamics depending on where they're at and what generation they're trying to bring in to the business. Well, what you're suggesting about stepping back and looking at, you know, what am I good at? What are my strengths? What I really enjoy and evaluating roles from the get go would be a good practice for any kind of a startup, not just a family owned business. You're absolutely right. And and the the dynamic in here is all the rules for a normal corporation, um, regular business that doesn't have family members, all those rules apply. Okay, so where do you see... The challenge is they get magnified when you've got family members. They get magnified because they they believe they have to be in there. In the corporate world, and I spent years in the corporate world, if I decided that I no longer liked doing what I was doing or um, wasn't challenged by it, I would um, probably go find a job go to my boss, or maybe go to my boss first, tell them if there's nothing they could do, I'd go find a job and I'd leave. In the family business, you can't. You're sort of stuck there. That's where the family relations play into it. Go ahead. All right, let's talk about how those things get magnified. Because, I mean, if somebody is on the payroll of a family business, I guess technically they really could walk out the door. There, There's more ripple effect because you can't exactly leave your family behind. You could leave the job behind. But let's talk about those dynamics that you talk get magnified. Where is it that you have seen in your experience family businesses run into some real headwinds? Well, let me tell you a story, and it's a story that was um, in the book that I wrote. And this was a, not a client, but somebody I actually interviewed. And I think it just brings some of the dynamics together. These were two brothers. They decided that they wanted to... Um, start a business and it was in they were in the farming type of supply chain um, aspect of it they weren't farmers but where they were in that supply chain and the brothers never sat down and said who do, who likes to do what one brother was very much go-getter he knew what it was going to be like to have that entrepreneurial spirit the other brother wanted an eight to five within a year they were at each other's throat because the brother who was working 60, 70 hours a week, was always frustrated with the other brother who showed up at 8, left at 5, did nothing more, and they felt they should be equal in this. And the, the, um, the one that didn't work as much didn't want to work anymore. So what they ended up doing is the brother who was the entrepreneur bought out his other brother and has never spoken to him since, and that was 25 years ago. So his wife comes into the business. Wife comes in. She starts picking things up. So she's there. Guess what? It's really hard for wives to quit because they know that they know what the financial aspect of everything is, and it that's the type of thing that get that gets mag- magnified. Is you can walk out, 
but you affect the family business. In this particular case, I asked the, um, the husband stepped out of the room for a moment while I was talking with them, and I asked the wife, I looked her in the eye, and I said, if you had to do this family business over again, would you ever do it? And she looked at me, and she said, no. My kids have no relationship with their cousins. We have, never, we have not spoken to the brother, and it's had an impact on our whole family life. And the story goes from there, but I'll keep it short. But when the husband walked in, I asked him the same question, and he said, of course I would do it all over again. It's been our livelihood, and it's something we love. And I said, have you, the two of you ever talked about this? And he said, no. And he looked at his wife and said, well, what did you say? And she told him. That story demonstrates how the, the whole aspect and the magnitude of everything plays into it. Well, it sounds like a magnitude is right. It sounds like a little earthquake that happened. It was, but that's what happens in a lot of these situations is they, they can be earthquakes. When I go and leave a corporate job, I hopefully have left a few friends um, behind. I hopefully, you know, I've left on good terms with my boss. When you walk out of a family business, you can't do it quite as much. The other thing that plays into it is not all family members are created equal in their abilities to, get, to, to do the right things and to do the job. I, somebody may think they're really good at bookkeeping. They may not be. And as a result, the business suffers. So you, you just you play into that. And that's why I say the roles and responsibilities, you've got to apply that to the family member in the same way you would hire somebody else. So if you're going to go hire Junior, what's the job you want Junior to do? What are the characteristics that they need to have? Do they fit into that? What needs to be adjusted? So there's, it's just playing all the regular business aspects of it, but taking the family dynamics into play. Well, that sounds easy, but I have a feeling that in practice, it's a little bit tougher. Let, let's, let's kind of pull that apart a little bit and drill down. I've heard you talk about the time commitment. You know, some people want that nine to five. Maybe they'll do a little more, a little less. And right. there are others that are cranking out, you know, hundred hour weeks and, and they just love that. And that's fine. We talked about qualifications. Some people are more qualified than others. And just being a blood relative doesn't necessarily make the cut by itself. It may put them in the pool of being eligible, but they're still like the bookkeeping. I mean, the books have to be accurate. Otherwise, you really don't know what's in what column. Did you make money? Did you lose money? Right. So, I mean, that's a very important function in a business, the, the finances, the money part. So what is the best way... Once somebody has identified roles and responsibilities, what they like to do, there's probably going to be some gaps as to things they don't like to do. Where do they move on from there? Well, some of it is in all of our businesses, okay? Whether we own our own business, whether we're an employee or not, there's going to be things we like to do and things we don't like to do. So some of that's just playing into reality. And um, my, the kind, loving part of me sort of says, suck it up. You times you got to do things you don't like to do. And, but that shouldn't be the majority of it. You know, there are times when, you know, dealing with the, the cranky customer is not the most fun part of things, putting systems into place. We have to do it, but it's going and defining it because what happens more in the family business than I think in regular corporate type entities is you get a crossover. Um, dad does it today, mom does it tomorrow, junior does it the next day. And as a result, it's a little bit of who's on first. And that's where the roles and responsibilities start creating that clarity. Because what happens is, 
if mom goes and makes a decision, dad goes and tells the same customer the next day something different, they're now clashing. Where if you have the roles and responsibilities, mom, when it comes to customer service, mom is the one who um, says what's going on. When it comes to sales, daughter is the one because she's now been working in the business for 10 years. She is the one who has that control over sales and what's going to happen and what doesn't. And it's that level of role and the responsibility, which is commonly found in the corporate environment, but not um, as consistent in the family business. So setting healthy boundaries, boundaries that people can respect and be consistent about is was one of the keys that I'm hearing here. Is that right? Absolutely. And then boundaries between the business and home as well. Because and th- those boundaries can be different for every family and every business. And that's the fun part of the family business. Because I can walk into one um, family business and the um, husband will say, I am not talking about work when I walk and get home. I don't care what's going on. It, you know, unless the place is on fire, I'm not talking about work. I can go to the next one and both spouses say, you know, over dinner um, or once the kids go to bed is when we can get things done. So we love talking about work once we get home. There's not a right or wrong answer. There's just what is the answer for your family and your environment. And those are the boundaries that need to be put in place. And you've got to communicate them. But most of the time, what doesn't happen is they don't have that communication. Therefore, the boundaries, they reach all over the place. It's a little bit like, you know, that um, ink squid where all of a sudden they're, they're footprints all over their entire lives. And there's no separation. And one person may be happy with it that way, all integrated as one big lump, and somebody else might not be. Right. I can see where that right. would cause some tension and some, uh, some tough holidays and Thanksgiving dinners for sure. What happens when things are going along pretty good? You know, there are some boundaries. Maybe once in a while they get stepped over. But by and large, uh, things are going along fine. The, the family business has been in operation for a while. But then something happens. Maybe somebody loses interest or just isn't performing their job quite as well. What kind of suggestions or recommendations do you have for people that discover that they need to fire an employee that they happen to well, be related to. It's funny that you asked that question because when I was initially working on the book, one of the, um, my original titles was, how do I fire my spouse? Because that was the number one question that I was getting by family members is, how do I fire my spouse? And the book became broader and it was um, too restrictive, but there's a chapter in there that says, how do I fire my spouse? And part of that goes to, Communication. So we've talked about roles and responsibilities that you need to have. You've got to have boundaries, but you've got to communicate on a regular basis. And part of that communication is, you know, what are you liking? You know, as you have changed, and especially, you know, kids, you can have young kids, you can have teenagers. Each, everybody's role starts to change. And it is having that communication of, I'd like to back off. I'd like to do something different. And looking at who can replace me. So a lot of times it can take six months to a year for that to happen, especially in a family business. See, in a corporate environment, somebody wants to change, they give two weeks and make the adjustment and move on. In a family business, you've got to plan for it because let's say that, you know, daughter has been um, in doing customer service and she's been doing customer service for five years. And um, she's decided she wants to go and do, try something different, that her 
heart is someplace else and she wants to try something different. What you're going to have to do is lay out what are, what has she been doing? Who is it that can pick up the, these roles? Who is it that can lay this stuff out? And what I do find a lot of times in family businesses, which is the uh, big shame, is they are not paid the equivalent of what I have to pay somebody off the street. Does that make any sense? Wow. Some people would assume that it's the exact opposite. But that's an, an interesting number that you throw out there, that they're actually underpaid. Why do you think that is? Because part of it goes to your building um, and investing in the future. Now, I'm not saying that's across the board. And I don't have any big statistics to prove it. But in the businesses I've been in, probably 80% of the family members are paid below what the uh, market rate is. And that is... We'll go back to the husband-wife scenario. Um, mom's doing some stuff, and they're paying her a little bit. A lot of times, they won't even pay a family member because you've got it's more expensive to take two people than it is one. So there's a lot of things that start um, playing into how that all um, pieces together. A lot of times, they might be getting stock. Well, you're going to get it as a profitability, which you do for non-employees at times, but a lot of times family members will be greater and therefore you don't have the same of money to be able to replace them. That's really interesting. Now I, I have heard through the grapevine if you will that in a, a family-owned business where there are children let's say they're teenagers or you know graduating college sometimes they are encouraged to work for somebody else first before joining the family business. Do you have a feeling about that one way or the other? It absolutely 100% should take place because you need to have that overarching perspective of the real world before you come into the family business. I would say five to seven years because you need to know that what a real boss is like that isn't a family member. You need to know what real requirements are like. You need to know what working with another employee is like when their name is not, you know, your names are not the same. You know, if it's Smith and Company and you're, you know, Kim Smith, you obviously are related. But if you're Kim Smith working for General Electric, you're just another person. All of those aspects go into playing um, and making the, the next generation better at what they need to be. Well, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's probably why that suggestion gets floated as often as it does. For people that are not related, what advice do you have for the owners, for the families that start hiring outside the family for managing those dynamics or letting the family dynamics spill too much in the office where you know they're, the non-family members start to feel that they're listening in on something that's too personal? Well, if they've got good boundaries, then what goes on at home shouldn't be um, talked about in the office. So with a business that's got good boundaries, you're not having those discussions. But if you're, if you're starting to, if a business is really growing and you're 5, 10, 20 million in revenue, you've got to have a career path for all of those non-family members. They may not be able to be president, but you still need to have a career path for them because that's the biggest frustration of why family businesses lose people. They said, it's not a glass ceiling, it's a wood ceiling, because they can't go any farther, it's a family ceiling. That 
they know that they're never going to be able to do this. So why should they stay? Why should they go invest years when they're not going to have any of the rewards that they would if they stayed, went someplace else and invested years? So it really is having that management track. It really is having investing in them in leadership. And it is keeping the family portion of the personal business outside of the day-to-day business. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Do you find that family businesses do that on average, or do they learn by the school of hard knocks? Oh, we all learn by the school of hard knocks. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that, that's for all of us. Um, okay. But one of the big things in family businesses is, and I see it and hear it all the time, is they feel very isolated, that nobody really understands what they're going through. And it's really, there are, there are tons of people out there that are going through the same thing. So as a result, they don't reach out for help probably as much as a um, traditional corporate entity. So if I have one piece of you know, advice that I would you know, give to family business owners is make sure that you're not working 90 hours a week and you're never reaching out to somebody, another family business that is hopefully 20 to 30% larger than who you are so they can help you go through and learn. You're still going to have that school of hard knocks, but they can guide you on that path. Because let's face it, none of us ever listen to our mentors 100%, correct? Just like our children don't listen to us until they get a little older and then they find out we're not quite as dumb as we want or as they, they want us to be. And the same goes with business. There are people out there who have been there, done that, and we have to reach out to them to learn and not allow ourselves to be isolated. I think that's a really powerful message about not allowing yourself to be isolated because I think it's very easy for a family to do that, to look inward instead of reaching for resources outside. Uh, Things such as your book. Let's talk about that a little bit more. The family business, how to be in business with people you love without hating them. I mentioned before that I just really tickled by that title. What inspired you to write that? If you were to have asked me 10 years ago, would I ever write a book? I would have laughed at you. And it's one of my big lessons on never say never, because every time I say I'm never going to do something, I end up doing it. So I um, had been working with family businesses and realized a lot of the messaging, just like I'm talking about here, is consistent. And it was really just a, a way to help people and help family business owners to see that there are other paths other than the path that they have taken and they don't have to be alone. And it's been fun. I've had a blast. I can hear that. I can hear it in your voice. I, I know I grew up in a family business, and I can relate to a number of the things that you've been talking about as far as advice. Because as a teenager, I'll tell you, it, it was rough. It took away from family time. And it was one reason why I thought I would you know, talk about never, never. Yeah, I was never going to get involved mm-hmm. with business. Well, guess what? With two feet. <laughs> the challenge that I, um, I have with the business owners, and the thing I um, tell them to really consider, is if you think that you ever want your kids to have a good view of the family business, Put a mirror in front of what you say at home. What are your actions? Because kids watch actions a lot more than they do words. I can go say I love my business, but if I'm grumbling about my customers, if I never have time with them, I miss all the baseball games and the track meets and the plays, and it's always, quote, the business's fault, then what image am I leaving my kids? 
And I've talked to a lot of kids that have said, we had no life because his business was always the life, so why would I, that's not what I want to have for my kids. And then the parents wonder why they won't follow in their footsteps and take over this business. So I think we really have to do what I call the mirror effect and really look at the words, the actions, and the attitudes that we have and what that is reflecting um, on our kids and on the other family members if we really want them to go into the business in the future. Well, those are definitely fair comments. And as much as I grumbled about it as a teenager, the one thing that I do have to say, even though I did not follow into the family business, is that I learned an awful lot about business at the dinner table, at breakfast, at lunch. I have my MBA. You know, I've been in business world for God knows how long. But still, there are things that you don't learn any other way uh, as far as the dynamics and those intangibles. And I didn't realize how much of that got absorbed even through my knucklehead <laughs> as a teenager. Oh, I'm not at all saying don't talk about business at no, all. No, I, I understand That's not that. That's all my yeah. message. No, I, I understand that. But I realized how much it helped me later, believe it or not, when I was practicing law because I understood where the mm-hmm. clients were coming from. I understood you know, what their challenges were, not just from a, you know, legal blah, blah, blah perspective. And being able to bridge those two worlds, because I could speak that language and and understand and anticipate what their issues were, went an awful, awful long way. So there's pluses to it, even out of, you know, the silver lining, so to speak, out of some of the negatives. So I really... Absolutely. um, I, I really appreciate that you wrote this book and that you are serving this niche. How did you come into this? Were you involved with a family business on a personal level? I was, um, parents had a family business as um, I was in my teens. And my dad had always had a bit of a side business and they'd always work together on it. And then as my teens, they sort of, uh, my dad quit his corporate job and they went into a family business and had it for a number of years. And, you know, the farm is one of the big family businesses. And so all my uncles and grandparents have been on there. And I'd seen a lot of the dynamic. But as I um, got into high tech in Boston and worked in businesses, uh, my first couple were family businesses. And I sort of saw the impact of a lot of this. And then I had a lot of clients that, again, were family businesses. And it's when I really started working with businesses to help them meet and achieve the goals that they were looking at that and I realized that so many of my clients were family businesses and that they were the same yet there was this little challenge called family that played into it and that's it I just got passionate about family and I was always passionate about family but the family business and that dynamic and that's really just what propelled me into it. It was not a lifelong dream when I was five to be a family business um, specialist, but it sort of has happened and I wouldn't have had it any other way. Well, I'm glad you wouldn't have it any other way. And I think there are a lot of people that can benefit from what you have, because clearly there's this extra layer of dynamics in family-owned businesses that's not present in other organizations. And it takes a special skill set to coach and mentor family-owned businesses. In your professional journey, are there any influencers that you could share with us that have shaped your worldview? We only have time for one, but I'd be grateful if you could share one with us. 
We, you know, we, we talk about, um, you talked about your um, parents talking um, at the dinner table and the like, and most of the time we don't realize what an influence our parents are, but especially my dad, because he always had, no matter how bad a day was, he always had a good um, attitude. And it's been that attitude that I've tried to bring into my um, clients and working with the clients and that I've realized shaped me as well. And he actually um, passed away of mesotheliomia, which is the asbestos cancer, um, about 12, 13 years ago. And I think it's only upon his passing that I've reflected back and I've seen that no matter how sick he was, he always had a joke. No matter how bad he felt, he always had a smile. And that just carries um, over into business. Our attitude can be the difference between whether a day is good or bad, no matter what happens in the, um, during that day. And that's the influence. And that's what I take with me to my clients. It's what I take every morning when I wake up and just how I apply it across the board. That's delightful. And that's just a wonderful way to honor your father's memory as well. So I just want you to let you know that we are going to have a link to your book, The Family Business, How to Be in Business with People You Love Without Hating Them, on our episode page at businessconfidentialradio.com. And I was wondering if you had any parting thoughts for our listeners in the few seconds that we have left here. Well, there is um, there are really five R's that I think of um, in the family business. One is you need to have respect. Another R is resilience. Sometimes you can have reluctancy in what you're doing, but, and sometimes you can have resistance to change, but all of that has to go to results. And if you take those and understand and, and play with that all together, you really get into a family um, business that can make a difference, not just in your family, but in the people around. You can leave a legacy that can go on for generations. And that's something that you can be proud of. And that's part of why I love the business. Awesome. Jana, thank you so much for your time and all that you do to help family-owned businesses. If somebody wanted to follow up with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, Either send me an email at Jana, which is J-A-N-N-A, at Jana Hoiberg. So the last name is H-O-I as an interest, B as in boy, E-R-G dot com. Or give me a call, 719-358. Six nine three six, and that's seven one nine three five eight six nine three six. You can reach me on all the social medias as well. You look my name up if you can spell Jana Hoiberg correctly. You can find me. <laughs> well, we'll have some links to help make it easy for people. Thank you for being a guest on Business Confidential. Now, Jana, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website businessconfidentialradio.com and connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then, 